Today on the Church Next podcast, we are going to talk about looking at the world with the intention of finding Christ in it and in its people. Jesus can be found in poor people and rich people, in trees, rocks, and oceans, in films, religious or secular. Jesus hides in plain sight in the ordinary scenes and people and events in our lives. Welcome back. I'm Carrie Graves with Church Next. Today we'll hear from Bishop Susan Goff of the Episcopal Diocese of Virginia. During her many years of ministry, Susan has also served as rector and teacher, making a priority of reaching out to and serving marginalized groups. Susan believes that if we engage our lives with the intention of finding Christ in them, we will be successful. Our podcasts are curated from our online learning library at churchnext.tv. Learn more about us there. If you'd like to support us, please consider a monthly subscription. That will give you access to all of our individual online classes. Your generosity helps us produce digital experiences that help shape disciples. St. Martin of Tours is most famous for the legend of his cloak. As the story goes, one cold day when he was a young man still inquiring into Christianity, rather than a baptized Christian, Martin saw a shivering beggar. Moved with compassion, Martin drew his sword, cut his cloak in half, and gave the beggar half of the cloak, wrapping himself in the other. Some people reacted with amusement at Martin's half-dressed state. Others were ashamed that they had not shown similar compassion. That night, Jesus appeared to Martin in a dream, wearing the half of a cloak that Martin had given the beggar and saying, Martin, a simple catechumen, has covered me with his garment. Martin saw Christ in the eyes of the desperately poor, anonymous beggar. Like Martin, we can find Christ anywhere and in anyone. And Susan's going to help us figure out how. Today, Susan will talk with us about the everyday situations in which the disciples encounter and recognize the resurrected Jesus. Peter finds himself eating fish. The disciples in Emmaus recognize him when he breaks bread. Mary thinks he is the gardener on the morning after the resurrection until he says her name. Like the disciples discovered, Susan suggests we should look for Jesus in the everyday events and places in our lives— at school, at the grocery store, at the park, in the faces of our children and their friends, in the noisy neighbor in the upstairs apartment, or the person pushing pamphlets in front of the courthouse. Constantly seeking Christ in our everyday activities is part of our call to be a Christian. A couple of Christmases ago, my husband, Tom, received a marvelous gift, this book. It's called Finding Jesus. Think, where's Waldo? But looking for Jesus, and on every page, there are pictures of groups of people in interesting settings and common settings. Um, People at the mall right before Christmas looking frazzled as they're coming down the escalator, at a rock concert, at a museum, at an outdoor barbecue. 
And on every page among those people, he searched for Jesus. And he's there somewhere, sometimes in a very unusual, funny, unexpected kind of a place. And on some pages, it's hard to find him because there are so many lookalikes and it's hard to know which one is Jesus. I think we're called to do that very thing with our whole lives, to be looking for Jesus everywhere in every situation. We find great examples of how to do that in the resurrection stories in the Gospels. At Emmaus, the disciples of Jesus recognized him when he broke the bread. The disciple Mary saw Jesus but didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener until he called her name. And in speaking her name, she knew him. The disciple Thomas recognized Jesus in his wounds. The disciples at the lakeside recognized Jesus through a miraculous catch of fish. And then when Jesus ate fish in their presence. And Peter recognized the challenging love of Jesus. When Jesus asked him again and again, do you love me? Peter recognized Jesus even in the tension and the emotion of that moment. In the biblical narrative, the friends and the followers of Jesus recognize him in ordinary moments. Jesus lives still, and we find him, we see him, we recognize him in the daily events, in the daily places of our lives, and in the people we encounter every day. So in these segments, we'll look at finding Jesus, finding Jesus at the movies, finding Jesus in creation, and finding Jesus in the faces of others. Now, before we turn to those themes, I invite you to reflect a bit on two questions. First, which of the appearances of the resurrected Jesus that we read in the gospel most appeals to you? With which one do you most connect? And secondly, where do you look for Jesus? In our next segment, Susan will challenge us to examine the theme of redemptive violence in contemporary film. She notes moments in which today's viewers can look for opposing themes in films, for moments when Jesus appears. She examines characters who appear as Christ figures and whose lives roughly parallel the life of Jesus. And she discusses Christ-like themes, moments in which characters sacrifice life or happiness for one another, or when characters choose compassion instead of violence. Let's hear from Susan on where to look for Jesus in culture, in the world of film and television. Many movies that we see in our daily lives depict the myth of redemptive violence. 
It's a term coined by the New Testament scholar Walter Wink to describe the belief that violence brings salvation, that violence brings freedom and redemption, that war brings peace, that might makes right. We see that myth played out in rashes of dystopian movies these days, movies about zombie invasions, the living dead fighting against the living, and finding that traditional means of violence don't even work and having to escalate the violence to new measures. The message of Jesus is very different from the myth of redemptive violence. Jesus overcame violence not with violence, but by making himself utterly vulnerable for the sake of others. When the soldiers came to arrest him, he resisted the temptation to take up violence, the temptation to take up the sword. When the soldiers literally were nailing him to the cross, he asked God to forgive them. And then when he rose from death, he didn't rise with a sword to wreak vengeance on those who had killed him, but he rose with healing and forgiveness and redemption. Jesus' utter strength and power were revealed in what some people would say is weakness. But of course it is not weak to stay true to God's calling, even if it leads to death. It takes strength beyond what some of us can even imagine. We see Jesus at the movies. When we see characters who are vulnerable for the sake of others, characters who say no to violence and yes to vulnerability, for the sake of others. We see Jesus at the movies when people stand strong for justice, when they stand against violence and injustice and degradation. We see Jesus at the movies whenever we see people working for freedom and for peace, even in horrific circumstances. Sometimes we see Jesus at the movies in literal Christ figures, figures whose stories echo the life of Jesus, as in the now classic movie, E.T. E.T. who came into the world in unusual circumstances, who did acts that were impossible for human beings, who was threatened and chased down by those in power, who died and who rose again, and whose last words were, I'll be right there. In recent movies like Selma, we see the presence of Jesus and the courage of men and women who engaged in nonviolence in order to overcome oppression. And even in movies that seem to reflect nothing that's overtly religious, we see people sacrificing everything 
for the sake of someone else, the way the crew of the Hermes does in the movie The Martian. We see Jesus at the movies. Whenever people choose relationship over revenge, whenever people choose hope over despair, whenever people choose sacrifice over comfort or love over fear. And so I invite you to reflect about finding Jesus at the movies. In what movies have you witnessed Christ-like love, Christ-like forgiveness, redemption, or sacrifice? And what movies would you recommend to someone who is starving, aching to see the power of love at work in the world? People often consider experiences in the created world to be avenues to spiritual growth. In this segment, we're going to hear from Susan on ways to interact with nature that engage us in that growth. Christ is revealed to the mind and heart through the symbols of life and death and rebirth that surround us in nature. By going into the natural world and being still, we offer ourselves the opportunity to hear Christ's still, small voice in our hearts. By putting ourselves in the position to recognize Christ in the natural world in an encounter, we give ourselves the opportunity to grow. Some years ago, my husband Tom and I went looking for Jesus in the wild Celtic lands of Western Ireland and Western Scotland. Because we had gone there to look for Jesus, we saw him quite literally sometimes and surprisingly in the landscapes, faces in the rocks, faces in the shapes of the mountains, and of course, in the people, in the creatures, in the beauty of the sky, in that wild and wet part of the world. We found Jesus in creation in ways that were quite literal. We don't always have to look for Jesus in creation, though, in ways that are quite so literal, but can find him in ways that are more symbolic. For example, this year in Virginia, we had warmth through much of the winter and then a real cold snap and warmth again. Well, when it was warm, the crocuses came up late January. And not only the crocuses, but the hyacinths, which we had never quite experienced before, them coming up and trying to bloom so early. And then there was cold and snow and ice. And it looked like all of those precious and beautiful flowers were going to die. But that they kept coming up even through the snow. There's something in nature about the cycles of life and death and new birth that remind us of the presence of Christ and his story of life and death and resurrection. 
And those gifts, those same gifts that we have in him, creation reminds us of, of Jesus' presence, and we can see the face of Jesus in creation. Sometimes when I go outside for a walk or to sit in a beautiful place, to canoe, to play on the rocks, to do anything outside, I find Jesus precisely because I'm not doing anything else. I don't have a laptop or a cell phone that's pulling my eyes down and that's pulling my attention in. But instead, because I've let go of all of those things, I'm open to pr and present. And Jesus, who has always been there waiting to me, for me, can sometimes find me when I'm out in creation in ways that maybe I don't let myself be found in other places. We have a rich tradition in Christian tradition of prayer for creation. We find that rich tradition in the Celtic world, in the spirituality of native peoples. We find it in the canticle of St. Francis of Assisi, who prayed, Most High, Omnipotent Good Lord, yours are the praises, the glory, the honor, and all blessing. Be praised, my God, through all creation, through brother sun and sister moon, through brother wind and sister water, through brother fire and mother earth. Those who live close to the land have long sought and found and praised Jesus there. I think it's especially important for us as people of faith to look for Jesus in creation now. It's more important than ever, perhaps, to find Jesus in the natural world in this time when one species, our species, has unprecedented power over the life and death of every other species. And so I invite you to reflect on seeing Jesus in creation with two questions. Where in creation do you feel closest to Jesus? And how does your finding Jesus in creation shape your relationship with the natural order. In today's final segment, Susan is going to talk with us about how and why to look for Jesus in the people whom we encounter in the world. She suggests, moreover, that we should be the face of Jesus for others. St. Teresa of Avila said that Christ has no hands and feet but ours, no face but ours, in this world. Where do you see the face of Jesus in the world? When have you been Jesus' face for other people? We'll hear from Susan on how we might better experience and be Christ in the world.
this past Christmas, there was an article that was making the rounds of social media. It was an article from Popular Mechanics, January 2002, that asks the question, what did Jesus really look like? In it, an artist from England, using forensic anthropology, creates a bust of Jesus. What it shows and what the pictures show are an ordinary looking Semitic man with brown skin and brown eyes and short, dark brown hair. A truly ordinary looking man, like almost anyone in the crowd at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, or anyone in crowds that followed Jesus. It was an unremarkable face. Well, for 2,000 years, people have depicted Jesus in their own image with unremarkable faces that look just like them. I remember my first Sunday school image of Jesus was by a German artist, a man with long, light brown hair and blue eyes, and that was the image I grew up with of Jesus. We have many different images because we don't know what he looked like. There were no recordings of his face at the time that he lived and no descriptions of his face in scripture. We therefore can look for Jesus and see his face everywhere, particularly in the faces of other people. In the baptismal covenant, we ask the question, will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself. Seek Christ in others. Look for his face literally in the faces of others. As we read in the parable in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, whenever you did it, for the least of these, you did it for me when you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked, when you visited those who were sick or in prison. Mm -hmm. We did it for Jesus because their face is the face of Christ. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, the poor are Jesus in distressing disguise. And so we look for Jesus in the faces of others quite literally, knowing that every face we see is, in a very real sense, a face of Jesus. And we not only can find Jesus in the faces of others, but there are times when we are Jesus for others, when our face is the face of Christ for someone else. As another Teresa said, Teresa of Avila, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet on which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet with which he blesses the world. Christ has no body now but yours. Christ has no face now, but ours. So I invite you to reflect on where you see Jesus 
in the faces of others with two questions. Where have you seen Jesus today? And who is aching to see the face of Jesus who might just see him in you? That's the end of our time with Susan. If you are interested in more of her work, visit the Episcopal Diocese of Virginia's website, thediocese.net. If you're interested in learning more about seeking the resurrected Jesus in scripture and in culture, check out our other Church Next courses, What is Resurrection with Lucas Mix and Violence, Myth, and Scripture with Suzanne Ross. That's the end of today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to churchnext.tv. We close with the collect for St. Martin of Tours in a great cloud of witnesses. Lord God of hosts, you clothed your servant Martin the soldier with the spirit of sacrifice and set him as a bishop in your church to be a defender of the Catholic faith. Give us grace to follow in his holy steps that, at the last, we may be found clothed with righteousness in the dwellings of peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.